All right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited. Well, not really excited, but got to see the Denver Broncos win a game. That was very nice to see. Uh, unfortunately, we're, we're talking here about the Denver Nuggets and how they lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers' final score, 121-109. Not the greatest performance by your Nuggets, and... Got to be a little bit frustrating, I'm sure, after a couple losses on the road and lost three of the last four, basically. And it's it's just not feeling like like it, the honeymoon period for the season is definitely over at this threshold. And there is, I think, a lot to get through at this point. Look, I'm, I'm wearing my Jokic for MVP shirts. Uh, let me apologize to all the Serbians out there. Uh, if you're following me on Twitter, you know that I could be pretty hard on Nicola sometimes. And I think it's important to hold him to the highest possible standard because he is like, if people are going to talk about him as the best player on planet earth and one of the best players that they've ever seen, then there, there are reasons to try to hold him to that high standard and to continue to push him uh, past some of these other things that he's really dealing with lately. But he is still flustered in some ways, in some capacities for sure. And I, I definitely think that the Nuggets uh, seemed bothered and they seemed bothered by Tony Brothers and the officiating and everything that went on uh, in basically the first three quarters. But that doesn't really excuse the fact that they were just getting blown out. Like, they were getting blown out. It wasn't this massive free throw margin. By the end, like, it was... I know that the game was already decided by the time the free throws really started to realign, obviously, but Denver's going on the road. They're going into a hostile building. They weren't the most aggressive team. They weren't the team that were getting the most dunks. They weren't the team that were getting the most free throw attempts for a reason. And I believe it's because that they weren't as good. And that's an unfortunate reality that a lot of people have to face when thinking about, okay, does Nikola Jokic just deserve these shots? Does he just deserve these possessions to go his way every single time. Nuggets fans will obviously say yes, because he is the MVP. I don't blame Nuggets fans, and that's fine. That's fine. But look, let's actually talk about what happened. Let's talk about why the Nuggets lost. Let's talk about Jokic versus Tony Brothers. Let's talk about a new bench rotation. And we'll talk about with the, if the Nuggets are even okay. Like There's, I think, a reason to be concerned if you are reactionary like I am in some ways. So let's get to it first. The Nuggets offense against double bigs has been a focal point for a while here. People talk about the Rui Hachimura adjustment. That was a little bit different in the playoffs because Rui Hachimura is not a defensive big man. He is an, an average defensive player who had a couple of good possessions against Nikola Jokic in the Western Conference Finals at one point. And then Lakers folks blew that out of proportion, and the Nuggets solved that pretty easily. This is different. This is different. Because Jared Allen is a good to great defensive big man. Evan Mobley is one of the best defensive projects we've seen in a while. One of the best defensive prospects we've seen in a while. With his versatility his athleticism, 
his ability to cover a bunch of ground against smaller players, but also his ability to affect shots against larger players too. He's really, really good. And the Nuggets struggled. They, they struggled to score, and they also struggled to defend against this look. One thing that I noticed, Jokic gave up on the three. He gave up on the jumper. He did not look to shoot one single time in this game. And there was only one real jumper at all. And that came in the third quarter or the fourth quarter, excuse me. That to me is a symptom. It's not the, the full problem, but, but there is a symptom of the problem here for sure. Jokic felt not as comfortable with the jumper. So he decided to try to force things inside. And when he decides to force things inside, he expects the game to be called a certain way. And it wasn't entirely to his liking. The next thing in this double big lineup, Jared Allen was a plus 42. A plus 42 in a game that Jared Allen basically played, what, 35 minutes or so? Jared Allen played 29 minutes and was a plus 42. He didn't play all of those minutes against Nikola. Some of them came against uh, the minutes after uh, Nikola left the game with his fifth foul with about 740 left to go in the game or in the in the third quarter. And Allen was dominant. Allen wasn't the only guy who was dominant on the Cavs, but he is one of those ideal players to play against Nikola Jokic. And the reason for that is that he's athletic. He is strong. He is tall and long, like he's got a seven foot five wingspan or something like that, something absurd. And he also doesn't really get baited on the pump fakes that Nikola Jokic does. Like whether he's trying to leverage somebody out of position, Allen is a little bit too big for that. He's not as he's not as fast and quick twitch as somebody like Evan Mobley would be. Mobley would jump out of his socks in in some of those situations that Allen's being put in. Allen is not. Allen is a good defensive player, and Jokic really has to work when he's playing him. That is very clear. And Allen made it work. Jokic still went eight of thirteen. This wasn't like. Jokic, I see the, the problem is like Jokic should not have gotten as frustrated as he was because he was eight of 13 from the field. He was missing his own free throws and he turned the ball over three times and had 18, 10 and seven by the end of it. Like this wasn't a super bad game where he should have been getting frustrated was on the defensive end where he was getting cooked and the Nuggets were frankly getting cooked. Uh, but that's let me get to that in just a second, because the last thing against the double bigs look where you've got Evan Mobley kind of on the back line, Jared Allen defending up against Jokic, is that Aaron Gordon cannot, like, he has not been good in this look. He hasn't found success against these teams. And the numbers for him, 11 points, four rebounds, five assists, one steal, two blocks. He had some good defensive plays. I don't want to minimize that. Some of those did come with him at center, though, and not a power forward. Four of 11 from the field. 0 of 2 from 3, 3 of 6 from the line. He is also not a jump shooter. He is also not spacing the floor. So if Jokic isn't taking jumpers, and if teams don't respect Aaron Gordon's jumpers, then the offense is going to get really difficult against a team with two bigs. And those two bigs did not have to go for these foul opportunities. They did not have to overcommit on those possessions and say, oh, hey, we need to make sure to close out on the perimeter so that these guys don't shoot. No, they could just pack the paint. They could just raise their arms straight up in the air or keep their arms right at their sides and not reach in and make Denver work for those tough twos. 
Remember when Michael Malone said tough twos don't beat us over 48 minutes? It sort of felt like that in a lot of these cases. Denver ultimately finished 14 of 29 from three because their bench just decided to have like an amazing shooting run towards the end of this thing. And Michael Porter also had a really nice game. But the starters, like there's a reason why the starters really struggled and they could not get the right shots. They could not get valuable shots for much of that time, nor could they get any stops whatsoever. We should probably talk about brothers. We should probably talk about Jokic versus Tony Brothers for sure. I have zero problem with the fouls that Tony Brothers called on Jokic. Zero. And I don't think anybody should have any problems with them either. I'm pretty sure Tony Brothers called three fouls. The first two fouls on Jokic were one by the umpire. I don't remember his name. The other was by the the referee, Lauren Holkamp. And then the last three were by Tony Brothers. One of them, clear foul, clear understanding of, hey, bad defensive position. Jokic gets into a really tough spot. He basically, like, actually, oh, you know what? The first foul was by the umpire that I, or called by the umpire that I don't remember. And Jokic actually raised his hand like, yes, I did foul him. He pointed at him. Yes, you got that right. The second one, he didn't argue with when Lauren Holkamp called it. He swiped down on the ball, and it was, I think, Craig Porter Jr., who killed Denver, by the way, uh, driving to the rim, foul, two free throws. Jokic looked at her like, what was that? But he also didn't go over to her to argue in any way, shape, or form. And when he doesn't go over to argue, it says to me that he... It's like, hey, I'm surprised that you called that, but I'm not actually going to argue that it was a foul call because it probably was, and you probably saw it. And like, look, it is what it is. By the time Tony Brothers called the third foul at the end of the first half on Jokic, that was a clear foul. Jokic gets taken out of the game. Denver goes on a negative run at that point to end the first half. They're back in the hole. They're losing by eight. Jokic comes back out there in the third quarter gets frustrated that he didn't get a call on the offensive end. And then Cleveland comes down and they score on Denver's defensive end. Next possession down, Jokic goes and draws an offensive foul by chicken winging Jared Allen. And it was a very clear chicken wing. You could see it very clear as day. And like Tony has to make that call or else he is going to be excused of cheating. Like he's just, that's just how it is. It's very frustrating, I'm sure, to Nuggets fans to see him be the one to make this call. Uh, but I don't think that it was illegitimate. And then the fifth foul was, I mean, I, nobody can argue with the, the fifth foul. Jokic basically takes his elbow and smacks him in the side of the head, basically, and says, hey, look, this is, I'm going to use my elbows to clear out with the ball. And that was a very, like, deliberate motion and saying, I'm frustrated. I am going to do this. And obviously he gets called for the fifth foul. Then they upgraded to a flagrant because it was. I think that that's very understandable. Storm Surge asks, hey, Ryan, you really don't think Tony Brothers has a grudge against Jokic? I also don't think tech for hanging on the rim was warranted. I also don't think the tech on the rim was warranted. I think that Lauren Holtkamp was wrong for that. And look, it wasn't, it wasn't even really hanging on the rim. What Gordon actually did in that situation was he dunked and then he slapped the backboard. And Lauren Holkamp saw that as a an unsportsmanlike act. And look, that's her legislating the law. I haven't ever seen that called before. 
I assume that it is a technical by the letter of the law, but nobody really calls it. So it's, it's frustrating. I, I understand. But on the other hand, like uh, the Tony brothers grudge thing, look, the Nuggets were 18 and seven in the last 25 games that brothers has refed. People look at this all the time. They, they look into these things after a narrative was set in 2017 and 2018. It's been five, six years since then. And I, I watched, so I was actually, this is something I have perspective on. When Tony Brothers ref the game, game three in LA against the Lakers uh, in the Western Conference Finals, I watched Tony and Nikola Jokic during that game. I watched them for sure. And they were having a cordial conversation for a lot of the time. And there were some fouls that Jokic didn't agree with. And he went over to Tony to discuss things. Tony was receiving him very well. They were having a cordial conversation very clearly about the calls and how Jokic was trying to explain his side of the story. And then, you know what happened in game three? Jokic, even though he had been in foul trouble for much of that first half, didn't get another call on him by, by Brothers. And Brothers was calling and ones for him in a lot of ways. The respect thing goes both ways. The grudge thing goes both ways. Tony doesn't like to be disrespected as an official either. And what Jokic does, especially when he's frustrated with a referee, is he will go out of his way sometimes to show up the call. And he has mostly been past this. This is more younger Jokic, younger version of Jokic that hasn't really, like before he turned 25, basically. He hasn't done this in a while, but I think when Jokic goes out of his way and to use an elbow, <laughs> trying to clear out space on somebody, it's going to be very clear. Look, he's kind of losing his head, getting frustrated and making an incorrect decision. And Tony is not going to stand for that, nor should he, nor should any official. And like, that's, that's when a player is clearly losing their hold on the game. And Jokic in that moment was out of control. And look, people are going to want me to cape for Jokic because I'm a Nuggets guy. Look, I'm wearing the Jokic for MVP shirt that was sent to me by somebody from Serbia. I understand. I get it. I don't want to... I, don't, I want to see this in an honest perspective. I thought that Jokic was in the wrong tonight. And I think that in a lot of these cases, with Tony Brothers specifically, I think Nuggets fans are seeing what they want to see. And I do not think that they are seeing reality. And I do not think that they will acknowledge that in a lot of these situations, Tony Brothers isn't the one even making these calls. <laughs> and Nuggets fans are like, oh, Tony Brothers, screw you, just because he's on the floor. Not because he's the one making the calls. Like Warren Holkamp was making the calls. The, the umpire who's, who's refing the game was making calls. And that is, of course, frustrating because people want to pin something on anything other than their player playing badly. Jokic played bad, especially on the defensive end. He was an absolute sieve on the defensive end, especially in the second half, trying to deal with the foul trouble, trying not to get the, his third and then his fourth and then his fifth or whatever. He was being taken advantage of every single time down the floor by the Cavs. And I know Nuggets fans don't want to see that side of the story, but it is there. And so I'm, I'm just here to try to be honest about it. Like, 
it doesn't change how I feel about Jokic. It doesn't change how I feel about this Nuggets team's future. Like, they're still probably going to win the title this year. It's just that it doesn't always have to look pretty. So, it is what it is. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, Michael Porter Jr. being Jekyll and Hyde right now, and then the new bench rotation that Michael Malone decided to try. But first, everybody in this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Did you know that you can refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports? Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss their refer a friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the refer a friend link under your profile in the Superbook app and share that promo code with friends and you'll get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. I know not a ton of people in here right now, and I I get it. I waited until after the damn Broncos game in order to finish up. So congratulations to the Broncos for evening it up at 500. Uh, Joey says, go Broncos, Ryan. Uh, Yeah, I did not think that the Broncos were going to win. And for a while, I I don't know if Broncos fans thought Broncos were going to win. So I am glad that they did. Believe me, I, I want to see them be successful. It's been too long since they've had a, a really successful year. So hopefully they can figure that out. Uh, Enigma the Gray Man says, on that second elbow, Jokic darn near knockout Jared Allen. Uh, yeah, he uh, it, it was bad. And, and then there was also one in the first half that Allen kind of tried to flop a little bit. Uh, but Gordon, or not Gordon, but Jok- and Jokic absolutely uh, probably should have been called for an offensive foul, even though it was a flop, but it's tough. It's definitely tough. Storm Surge asks, I agree with you, but overall, why aren't the Nuggets getting any calls? They are 30th in free throw attempts and have one of the best offenses in the league. It's not like we aren't driving at all. Uh, Jokic did bad on defense. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally true. I think that the reason why Denver is not a good free throw drawing team First, you have to kind of look to last year and you have to understand that this isn't just a one-year thing for Denver. I know it feels like it might be a one-year thing. Last year, according to basketball reference, the Nuggets were 20th in free throw attempt rate uh, at 0.259. 0.259 free throws attempted um, per field goal, basically. This year, it's 0.208. And that probably goes, actually, no, it'll probably stay around the same uh, after this this particular game. But Denver's not very good, and they don't want to draw a ton of free throws. I look at three, uh, kind of three situations. Jokic is basically averaging same number of free throws, if I recall. Uh, last year, uh, uh, this year before today, he was at 6.3. That'll go down to, we'll call it 6.2, 6.1. Last year, Jokic was at six. So he he's pretty much the same. 
Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter, like Gordon specifically, is one that I look at. Gordon did attempt six free throws today, only made three. He continues to shoot 50% from the free throw line, basically. That's not good enough. Porter was averaging about two free throw attempts per game last year. Now he's down to one. Uh, That's not good enough either. And then Murray not being there, not being there to kind of slow things down. He's not the greatest foul drawer or anything, but he does create valuable shots for himself and those around him. And he could also get to the line a little bit. So I think not having somebody to set up the next foul is a problem. That That's definitely part of the issue. Denver's bench is another part of the issue. They are a massive, massive part of the issue for sure because they don't really draw a ton of free throws because when they do drive, there's really not a drive to finish. There's really not a drive to commit. And they struggle, especially as young as they are. They're not the crafty veterans that you really need to get some of those calls. And Reggie Jackson's also averaging like one a game himself. So Denver just doesn't have a ton of foul drawers. Like that's not who they are. That's not the type of game that they play. And I know that Nuggets fans, like I said, they, they want to try to villainize something or other. It's, it's the refs. It's not getting calls. It's not getting free throws. Uh, Denver's, that's not their style. Gordon and Porter right now are actively avoiding contact in some ways. Gordon doesn't go at free throws as often as he did before. And I think that there is at least a part of him that's thinking about the free throw percentage. There's a part of him that would rather convert the two, avoid the contact, and sometimes he doesn't draw the foul as a result. And he shot four of 11 on this game. He also missed a couple of tips. He didn't try to grab the ball and and lay it up strong or power through contact. He was tipping the ball up and then missed the tips and the rebound ensuing bucket that the Cleveland Cavaliers got was because they were able to get it off of a missed tip from Aaron Gordon. Uh, Just looking at his shot chart from this game, if I pull that up real quick, had a couple threes, had a couple shots that were Outside of the restricted area, had uh, baseline two that he made. It's not great. Like, there are some plays that are fine. He's mostly entirely feeding off of what Jokic does and how he sort of creates those opportunities under the basket for him. And with Porter, he's averaging like one a game in terms of his free throws. Last year was averaging about two. I think that there's some big issues with Porter kind of creating off the dribble for one thing. Like he couldn't get by by Dean Wade today, which I know Dean Wade's a fine defender, but that's kind of the barometer, right? Like if you're Porter and you're trying to create off the dribble, if you can't get by Dean Wade, then that's sort of the threshold for maybe you shouldn't be dribbling. Maybe you shouldn't be trying to create off the dribble for yourself. And there are too many times where when Porter is driving into the lane, he's not driving into the shoulders of somebody. He's driving right through the chest of somebody and he'll either commit an offensive foul or like on today's game, he drove right into Evan Mobley who went vertical, did a good job of being a vertical contester. And there was no reason for the ref to draw, to call a foul in any way, shape or form on those plays. That's tough. And nobody wants to hear that. Denver hasn't done a good job of drawing contact. 
and everybody can be frustrated about the refs. I am not. I don't think, I just don't think that they really deserved it, frankly, in this game. Like, they just didn't. So nobody's going to want to hear that from me. I know I'm not the most popular person on Twitter right now because I say things like Tony Brothers isn't the devil. And I know people are like, oh, how dare you? How dare you share such a controversial opinion? Sorry. Um, Let's talk about, so Porter did get his three-point shot back a little bit. Five of nine from three. Made some really tough threes as well. That was that was good to see. Passed up a couple of shots. Passed up a couple times. And, and there were some possessions where he probably could have just stayed stagnant and taken a three, taken a spot up three, and it would have been perfectly fine. But then he drove into contact like I talked about. And there was one turnover that he had. He got a shot blocked one time. He, yeah, just, it just wasn't great. Uh, Storm Surge, you're perfectly on it. Uh, totally agree. Um, and then Robert, I, I think you're right on this one too. This is like, it, it would be nice because he does really excel on those cuts when he's not creating them for himself. Like when he is just receiving and finishing, like, uh, yeah, he is better at that. 6'10", like just, just a perfectly reasonable guy. Perfectly reasonable player to be going for that situation. Um, but the defense was horrible. Defense was really, really bad. And like Porter was just behind the play every single time defensively, like just every time he had one steal. I don't remember when it was, but there were too many plays where he left Max Struess open or Chargers Niang or got back cut or just allowed somebody to drive around him. Or he was, he, for some reason was switched onto Darius Garland, trying to chase him around a screen and, is just never going to catch up to Darius Garland in that situation. And Garland kind of knew it. Um, and Porter in that, like, just wasn't good enough. And so for as much credit as he does deserve, Porter, for hitting the threes that he took, everything else kind of went to crap. And there's a minus 30 as a result of it. Still trying to figure out what he does when he staggers with the bench. He can't just be a spot-up guy but Denver can't really run the ball through him consistently because he doesn't create well enough for others. He doesn't really see the floor well enough and doesn't really know where to get the ball in his spots within Denver's offense. Like I, I don't really understand it, but he struggles with that. And so Denver can't treat him as a number one option on their bench in ways that a lot of people could. It's why Murray gets the stagger. It's because he understands how to operate that space. He understands how to operate with a larger usage role. Porter doesn't. Like, a lot of it is just catch at the elbow, step back, hit a contested two or miss a contested two. Or it's driving into the lane and hoping that you draw contact or maybe you shoot a floater over the top of somebody. It's not good enough. Like, he has not made the right progressions to his game in terms of seeing the floor correctly. And... It's one of the reasons why Denver can't trust him in some situations. And nobody wants to hear that, but it's true. Uh, New bench rotations, and then we'll take another break. Michael Malone decided not to play Peyton Watson tonight. He decided to play Jalen Pickett, Julian Strother, Christian Brown, Justin Holliday, and Zeke Naji. All of them played in the first half. I thought that there were good things from all of them, if I'm being honest. I thought that the bench was a, a solid, positive spot for this Nuggets team. Now. 
some of those uh, positive numbers kind of came in the final uh, six minutes or so when the game was already decided. But I, I liked what Pickett did, spraying the ball at the shooters. Some of the shooters made it, some of them missed it. But in general, Denver made basically all their shots at the end of the game. So Pickett, I thought, did a nice job of seeing the floor, getting into the teeth of the defense and setting people up. There was one turnover that the one turnover that he did have was when he was trying to kick it out to Justin Holiday, spacing for three, and Justin kind of cut. That is understandable. I'm not going to blame e- either of those guys for that turnover in that situation because it's a miscommunication. Jalen Pickett's trying to do the right thing, get, getting the ball to a shooter. Holiday is trying to cut. Perfectly fine. Not going to blame anybody. Christian Brown, 13 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 1 of 1 from 3. The 3 that he did hit was in front of the, the Cleveland Cavaliers bench. Uh, so hopefully he is starting to find his three-point shot. Seems like he's he's making some more over the course of these last few games here. And he missed a couple of bunnies at the beginning of the game, but started to finish a lot better, especially in the second half. So good on Christian Brown for figuring some things out. Julian Strother, I thought, had some good minutes too. He had a nice block and then dunk in transition. Uh, that was a good sequence for sure. Then he had a nice spot up three in transition. There was there were some good plays there. Overall, Probably not good enough in general, but still was a plus eight. Perfectly fine. Uh, and then Zeke Naji. I know, like, first half was not good for Zeke. Even though he did have three offensive rebounds in the first half, there were a lot of things I didn't like. Michael Malone actually decided to play him at the four next to Nikola Jokic in a, a little bit of a stagger look. And I thought that that looked fine. There was nothing wrong with that. He actually got a nice tip uh, layup for one of his offensive rebounds off of a Jokic miss. And that was one where Jokic probably should have been called for an offensive foul. And he wasn't called for an offensive foul, folks, because not everybody hates Nikola Jokic. I promise. Um, Yeah, no, it was good to see. And look, Denver's bench looked a little bit better. There were still things that I think they could improve. Still things I think Nuggets fans can and should be concerned about. But I liked what I saw from some of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Holiday made a couple shots, made some nice defensive rotations. There was actually a, se- a segment of time where Denver was running the 2-3 zone, but because Jokic doesn't really move uh, in the middle of that 2-3 zone, it turned into kind of what was a 1-3-1 zone in a lot of ways, where Justin Holiday was the baseline roamer, where he's running from baseline to baseline, or like, like sideline to sideline along the baseline in that set, basically trying to avoid getting that extra kick out three. And he he fought his ass off in that. He, he ran very hard and deserves a lot of credit for, I think, making some of those plays and making some of those reads. And like, look, Justin Holiday could play. If they want to, they could play Justin Holiday in place of Peyton Watson and probably not be that much worse. Especially if they're going to stagger Michael Porter or Aaron Gordon with the second unit because they could just play Justin Holiday at the three and he can actually space the floor. So I think that there's at least a possibility that that happens going forward. So Nuggets fans, if you don't see Peyton Watson for a while, um, Mike Malone needs a win. The Nuggets need a win. There's, there's a reason for that. So we will see what happens. But for now, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to chat about whether the Nuggets are actually okay and what they need to improve in and how they can get a win against the Detroit Pistons tomorrow. But first, this message from Scott DeHuff.
final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Tired, folks. Let's wrap up with whether the Nuggets are actually okay. Um, Denver is now 9-4. and four. They lost game 13 tonight. They have lost three of their last four. They are not playing their best basketball right now, and three of the last four losses have come on the road. Where you count Houston. Uh, they beat the Clippers, and they lost to each of the Pelicans and the Cavs. Now, taking each of for their own, like those aren't bad losses. Nobody should be really concerned about Denver losing those games. Like Houston's playing really well. They are playing good basketball right now. And Ime Odoka has uh, Houston playing just, just good hoops. Lakers ultimately won tonight against the Rockets, but uh, and the Rockets are 0-4 on the road, but they are... Six and one at home. Like they're a really good home team. So I'm not going to sit here and bemoan uh, them playing poorly. Like it's, it's, Denver was fine in that Houston game. They didn't play that great. And Jokic nearly saved them. Ultimately didn't. The, actually, the shooting was, was something that really, uh, really hurt Denver in that game. And then the Pelicans game, like shooting really hurt them in that one too. Jokic shot pretty, bla- shot pretty badly. Denver, in a close game, especially at the end, didn't generate maybe the best shots that they could have, and they ultimately lose a game that they probably could have won. Uh, But the Pelicans are not a bad team either. They are a team that struggles with their identity a little bit, but against Denver, where you have Zion Williamson kind of spraying it out to shooters and Brandon Ingram shooting over the top of a 6'5 KCP, like they have a good formula to at least push Denver in a lot of ways, and the Nuggets weren't as good as they could have been. And then tonight, the Cleveland Cavaliers are a team that I predicted to win about 53, 54 games this year. I know that they didn't have all their guys, but they had the three guys that probably matter the most in a matchup against Denver. They had Darius Garland, who does a great job of getting into the teeth of the defense and makes great decisions with the basketball. They had Jared Allen, who does a great job of being physical with Nikola Jokic without fouling. And I don't think that he fouled him a ton. I think that the fouls, the times where he fouled him, they were called. And then they have Evan Mobley, who is a really good rim protector as a weak side helper, but also can switch on to Jokic a little bit better than somebody like Jaron Jackson can because Jackson's a little bit lighter and maybe a little bit more jumpy. Mobley, I think, is a little bit more of a mature defender and doesn't make as much of those roaming plays, um, despite the fact that he's younger. And that formula, I think, just works really well against Denver. So I'm not going to sit here and moan about Denver losing those games. The Nuggets weren't going to go 82-0. I've tried to stress that, and I have to try to remember that constantly because they are close in these games, and it would be nice to win them. But think about where Denver was last year, where, oh man, really tough that they, they're only seven and six at, at this point. Well, they're nine and four right now. They have won some important games, and all the important games at home, they've won. Actually, they haven't lost at home. And if you just win every game at home and win half of your games on the road, you're going to win 60. And Denver's still on pace to win like 55 or 58 games. So, they're not playing that well right now. They're not. And and teams go through lulls. I think after the initial start to the season where the bench played pretty well initially, 
the starters were on a roll. Murray gets hurt, and you can sort of start to see the cracks really show in the team when he's not there. Maybe this wouldn't have been such a big deal if somebody like Amante Morris was there, or hell, even if somebody like a Bruce Brown was here. That is where Bruce Brown really shines. It's not going to be a big deal, though, especially in the grand scheme of things where Denver, once Murray gets back, and it sounds like he's progressing pretty well, once he gets back and once he gets into gear, there's no reason why Denver can't just kind of go back to where they were, where they were rolling pretty consistently, where everybody doesn't feel like they have to pick up the slack too much, where Jokic can kind of going back to handling a normal load as opposed to the supersized load that he's been handling lately. And I think that in a lot of ways, that extra burden has affected Jokic. And, and he's probably a little bit frustrated. And I think some of that frustration clearly boiled over tonight. And once Murray gets back, everything's going to be fine. I really do believe that. So Denver's going to be okay. We've seen Christian Brown really improve over the course of these past few games. He has taken steps forward and he looks more aggressive and looks more confident. And if he continues to do that, Denver will be good. Now, he's going to have to add some variety to his game. He's going to have to add a little bit more than that right-handed drive that he has. Like most of the time, if he can't get to that, he just kind of kicks the ball back out again. He has to come up with more finishes. And he kind of went to a couple of them and missed the the floater that he had, but it was a nice self-created move in, I think, the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, somewhere around there. But he's got some variation that he can get to. And he will do a good job of reprising what Bruce Brown did. I think that, among other things, once Murray gets back, Reggie goes back to playing 15 to 20 minutes, maybe 24. Uh, Christian will probably be at about that same 20-minute threshold. And then everybody else kind of falls into their own little rotation a bit. And it's it's just going to look and feel a little bit better. So. Everybody's got to take a deep breath. Everybody's got to turn the page a little bit. That's the great thing about the NBA is that even if there is a bad loss, the Nuggets do pretty well when they're on short rest and got a back-to-back tomorrow against the Detroit Pistons. And we'll be right back here talking about what happened, what's going on, what can Denver do better, and how can they excel in a situation against a team that's 2-12 and right now. So, look, it's not going to be easy. No game in the NBA is ever easy. The Pistons are reeling right now, and if Denver brings the requisite attitude and effort in order to make that happen, in order to do the things that they have to do, then they should be just fine against a team like the Pistons. Pistons are going to hustle, though. They're going to try really hard, and if Denver isn't ready, and if they lose, then they like there, there'll be some questions that I have to ask. And so we'll get to that. We'll get to that after this back-to-back, but I am not... Super concerned right now. If they do lose tomorrow, then I'll start raising some concerns, raising some alarm bells. But it's just too early to really seriously do that. Like We've seen what Denver looks like at their apex. We've seen what Denver looks like with Murray in the lineup. They haven't had Murray in the lineup. I think Murray's really important. I think everybody probably does now too. So we will see what happens. But for now, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. I will be back tomorrow night after the Nuggets face Detroit. Uh, We will see what happens. Make sure to go subscribe over to the Alley-Oop 
which is my new basketball podcast that I'm doing covering all of the NBA. Should have a lot of great things over there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. We'll talk to you guys very soon.